Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my segment. This is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. Time to talk football with the professor, John Clayton, as we do every day here with Wyman and Bob. If you guys have questions for John, now is the time. Text those questions in, 421-3776. We'll try to get to some of your questions before we let them go for the day. Hello, John. Hello, guys. Well, you were right about the uh, the salary cap. It's been established. Yeah. 208, that's that's pretty much where you thought it was going to land, right? Yeah. 208.2? Uh, I, thought, I thought it was going to be 208.5. Oh, you were way off. Yeah, so it's like, but 208.2 <laughs> is what it is officially. So what is that, uh, how, what, it, I, I assume this is great for clubs. I mean, the, yeah. you know, most teams want to spend as much as they can to put a competitive product out there, unlike, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates and teams like that in baseball, but... Uh, is this is this something that you see going up each year? I know that we last year was different because of the the pandemic and everything yeah. else. But is this something we'll be looking at in in another year at two twenty or what? How does this go? Uh, it's not going to go up as much, <clears throat> but it'll go up because again, you got more TV money coming in. You know, new TV money from the new network deals, and so how much it goes up is still because again, one one of the things that they did to get the cap at two hundred eight two is that there were some benefits that got pushed back that uh, didn't count that uh, the players are going to start to get next year. And so that could pull things down a little bit. But in the end, and because, again, it's you know, 2082, which, of course, you know, for Seattle, it's real good because they're still in that $35 million range. And for, you know, uh, for some of the teams, the 11 teams that were over the cap, that's probably not as good. But, uh, you know, it's it's still a big improvement because, again, you know, when you're talking, you know, 182.5 and even going up to one, you know, 208.2, that's a big jump. Yeah, especially coming off the pandemic year. Yeah. It didn't seem to hurt them. Meanwhile, baseball is hurting themselves, John. Agreed. So, but, uh, yeah, they've, they've done a good job. And then, you know, there was some um, there were some franchise tags. Uh, how about the number? I don't know if you're keeping track, but as far as your database goes, but as far as the number of franchise tags, you've got the Browns using it on uh, Yoku, I think. Oh, uh, David Yoku. Yep, and then uh, the uh, – Kansas City Chiefs protecting Orlando Brown. So, Jesse, how is that Jesse, number? Jesse Bates. Yeah, Bengals. Jesse Bates for the Bengals. Yeah. For the Bengals. See, yeah. I mean, J- Jamie Bates. I mean, he gets he gets the franchise tag. So right now it's at three. Still anticipating that Mike Williams, the uh, wide receiver for the Chargers, is going to get f- franchise. There's some t- about a couple more tight ends, and then we'll see about Quandre Diggs. Yeah. What, what what's the tight end number? By the way. Uh, don't have it off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, you can see why the tight ends want to be paid like receivers, like Jimmy Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no hey, doubt. So, John, give us your take on Calvin Ridley. He admit he admits he bet $1,500 on football. He took, I don't know if you saw his tweets, but basically saying, no, I don't have a gambling problem, and I can't believe I got it. Basically, I can't believe I got a year, LOL. Uh, what, what do you think of the punishment? A lot of people bringing up, you know, about domestic abusers and people like that getting a couple of games. And, you know, this is a guy who's who's being suspended for an entire season for a league that now embraces gambling in certain aspects. I think he's going to have a hard time getting back into the league. You know, because again, period after the period, year, even even after the year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah because, again, it's like uh, he's betting. I mean, this is a Pete Rose type of thing. You know, betting on games, and he you know bet on his own team and against his own team and all that stuff. I know it was a five day period in November that he did 
did these bets, but he got caught. <clears throat> when you get caught like that, uh, particularly with the, uh, you know, the, I guess you could call them the uh, uh, police, not as far as, you know, illegal or anything like that, but when you have the NFL police coming back and then uh, finding it out, I, I just have a hard time. But I think a year suspension is just a start. Did he vote or vote? Did he bet against his team? I hadn't read I that. I don't know. I, you know, we don't know how the bets came in, what, what he bet on, but he he bet on NFL games. Well, here's here it is. Uh, NFL determined that Ridley placed multi-legged parlay bets involving three, five, and eight games that included the Falcons to win. Oh, okay. So, so this this is the story here. I hadn't I hadn't seen anything that he bet against his team, but yeah, this is yeah. when he he had stepped away from football on Halloween, saying he needed to get his personal life in order. So he wasn't even playing. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I think that's the fear, obviously, with Pete Rose as a manager betting. He's got the ability to impact the game based on you know decisions he makes with with starters, bullpen guys. He could you know to, to pay off his bet essentially. Whereas this guy's not even playing at the time when he made these bets. So the idea that he could somehow affect the outcome of the game yeah. isn't realistic. No, but again, it's like he broke the integrity of the game mm-hmm. by betting on NFL. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's just wrong. And I don't care if they're parlays. I don't care if they're individual bets, all those different things. But, I mean, he hurt the game by doing what he did. Well, and the other thing, too, for him – that's going to follow him if he ever does get back in the league because yeah. you know every every receiver drops passes, but if he drops one, uh, it's going to be oh no, he's got he's money got on the money. game. Yeah, I, I can't believe it, John. It, it's it, this is the NFL. I mean, just the whole association with gambling is so surprising to me mm-hmm. in the first place. But you know, and that's one of the the things that they really wanted to protect the word that you said integrity. And the NFL has always been impeccable as far as that goes, and they've stayed far, far away from gambling. That's what it just—I don't know. I wonder if they're, they're Goodell and some of the owners are kind of second guessing it. I guess they're taking in so much money, they're okay with it. But it just—it's surprising to me because now all of a sudden you call—you know—they don't want their their uh, their product uh, tampered with in that way. It just—it just. It just it's surprising to me. I mean, as far as from like the '80s in the NFL to now, it's it's incredible the amount from the time that you've been covering this uh, this league. It's pretty incredible the the jump that they took into gambling. Yeah, but of course, I mean, uh, gambling was illegal back then. Now, for the most part, maybe not in all states, it's uh, it's legal, and so it's like, and of course, it makes big money, and it keeps growing and growing and growing, and so it's like, why not take advantage of it? John, did you uh, did you take in much of the combine over the weekend? I didn't watch it, but I, I you know certainly kept following it. I, I was just amazed. The Georgia players were incredible. I mean, particularly you know, the defensive players, they were just great. And I was just amazed at the times. I mean, yeah. you had a, a record <laughs> eight wide receivers go under four four. You had like uh, you know thirteen guys in the defensive backfield. I think we were a cornerback that had less than four four forties. I mean you had some big guys, offensive linemen, defensive ends have good times. I was just amazed at the times. Well and what what was the guy's name again, Dave? The three, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. Yeah. Three hundred and forty one pounds, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who had a better forty time than Patrick Mahomes? He was a four eight, four seven something. Yeah. That's insane. I know. But that's that shows you it's like uh this draft may be actually pretty good. 
Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's not for uh, for quarterbacks. Didn't you say it's a really good running back draft? Yeah, very yeah. good running back draft. Yeah, I was, and, the, and the running backs ran well too. Yeah, yep, yeah. I was checking them out, and yeah, there's there's lots of. It's always fun to kind of take notes and see who ends up, uh, you know. But there there was a defensive end, Amare Barno, six mm-hmm. four and a half, two hundred forty six pounds. He ran a four three seven. Isn't that incredible? It is. Like, when do the numbers start to... And I was noticing this, John, the the bench reps. First of all, they don't highlight that much when you watch the coverage. But those numbers are kind of going down. Yeah. But, but, you know, you see, um, like, the linebackers and defensive ends weren't very good. But, boy, the speed. They're just getting faster and faster. Well, how about the offensive linemen? Because, what, there was 59 offensive linemen and 41 of them didn't lift. Not one decided, uh, I'll do it at my uh, pro day. Which, of course, that's okay because if you do it at the pro day, it's going to be indoors, so you're not going to have to worry about weather. It's just a matter of lifting, seeing how many you can do. So it's, you know, it's an imposition to the teams because now they have to go and uh, watch you know, the lifts and see how that goes. But uh, nevertheless, it's, uh, it's one where uh, 41 out of 59 didn't do it. Yeah. Hey, um Kayvon Thibodeau, is that his yeah, first name? Yeah. Thibodeau, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he, uh, that, there seemed to be maybe a little bit of controversy there, and I think Willie McGinnis was trying to clear it up, but I think he ran his 40, which wasn't like crazy. You yeah. know, it was still good. But um, but then he didn't do the workouts, and I don't know if there's any kind of, I don't know if you read any backlash about that. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of these guys are just opting to, because it takes so long, all the interviews and things mm-hmm. like that. Especially for the first, you know, five to ten guys who are being interviewed, um, that that's a pretty long day. But uh, you didn't hear any negative backlash about no. Him. He's still, he, I mean, he still might be the first player taken in the draft. He's that good. But he even said uh, a week ago that he wasn't going to be, you know, doing the workouts. And I think you know part of the problem is, you know, I know for the offensive linemen, you know, they wanted them to do the lifting in the morning, and so they can, and so it could be on primetime TV and the running in the evening. And it's like, whoa, wait a second, that's just too much in one day. And so that's why you saw a lot of the offensive linemen skip out of those workouts. John, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you make of the Aaron Rodgers situation? I'm reading that the, you know, the Green Bay Packers have made a significant long-term offer to him that. They said would alter the quarterback market, but I haven't seen the the terms, the yeah. the numbers attached to it. So it sounds like they're doing everything they possibly can to keep him there. He's still, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. He kind of holding the team hostage to this point, which is what he said he wouldn't do. So how do you see this playing out and any idea what mar- market altering would be? Well, I mean, the big thing is that he wants Devontae Adams on the team. And so far, and we're down to you know the eve of the uh, franchise tag and uh, they haven't franchised them yet, and they're way over the cap, the Packers. And so it's like uh, this one could be this could be very difficult. And I think if Adams isn't there, then I don't think he wants to be there. And because again, they're going to have to sacrifice some players just to get under the cap, uh, some guys on defense, and all those different things. So uh, we'll see. I mean, they got him, uh, the coach that he wants at quarterback, and Tom Clemens. You know the. You know, he should like the offensive coaches. He likes Matt LaFleur, but uh, we're down to the wire. He'll, he'll he'll make a decision tomorrow. My guess, he goes on Barstool and talks about it. <laughs> hey, John, you know, we did this after on Friday after we talked to you, but yeah. we uh, we had the 20 most hated NFL people 
could be a coach, could be an owner. Could be a girlfriend, a yeah, brother. That's right. Girlfriends <laughs> and brothers were in, involved. Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Rodgers was like three times more hated than the next closest guy, which was Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. How can that be, man? I, Aaron, I, I don't know how you feel about him, but Antonio Brown, I mean, how many times have we talked about that clown? And yeah. how can Aaron Rodgers be in that same, I mean, three times as much he's hated? That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, I know Pat doesn't like him, and she's a Green Bay stockholder on the Packers. Oh, and yeah. but I mean, I like him because again, I mean, he'll, I mean, like that uh, that one game in third quarter, he came over and just you know said hello, how you doing, and uh, you know it was you know here in Seattle, and you know, so he he just kind of smoothed with that, and it's like wow, how about him coming over and just uh, you know saying some nice talk. Some some nice words for the professor. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, is there any threat of maybe the marriage dissolving over this hatred and love for Aaron Rodgers, John? <laughs> We're, you're good there. I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm, I'm fine with all Pat, that. Pat's at peace with your love of Aaron Rodgers. Ah, uh, yeah, she is. <laughs> I, I like. I love that she that she doesn't like her. Doesn't like him. Doesn't like him at all. <laughs> you guys, as long just, as it doesn't jeopardize the marriage, they John. just choose not to it. speak of him. That's all. Yeah. That's how you keep the peace, right, John? You just yeah. don't bring him up. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah, just. <laughs> Be safe about it. Be smart. Hey, we, we played this cut from Dan Orlovsky this morning, and he's talking about the Seahawks saying they need to realize they're just not a good team. Listen to what he says. I want to get your reaction. I understand sitting there going like, man, how can you move on from Russell Wilson? Because you're not good. And you might as well start ripping the Band-Aid off right now and entertain a team like the Cleveland Browns or the Tennessee mm-hmm. Titans or whoever may call and start that offer for three first-round picks and say, Russell's great, but we are not a good enough team to entertain or good enough team to keep him on our roster and think we have a now and or a future. Now, I just feel fortunate that he's even talking about the Seahawks, being that they're in southeast Alaska, as Tim Hasselbeck said. Yeah. Uh, so we, we should feel lucky about that. But what do you, what do you think of what he had to say? That's, I mean, I can, that's, it's silly. I mean, it's like uh, I, I don't agree whatsoever. I mean, it's almost not as bad as some of the stuff that Tim Hasselbeck said about, uh, you know, Seattle and all those different things. But, again, it's it's like, you know, why rip up the team? I mean, if you can't get rid of a franchise quarterback as good as Russell Wilson and think you're going to be able to replace him in a couple of years. But the idea that they somehow off of one bad year where he was hurt yeah, and, and they've made sweeping changes to the coaching staff on both sides of the ball – that that one year represents who they are moving forward. They're a bad team. That's that uh, the Russell stuff. Uh, that's been talked about a lot. But the idea that viewing this team is going, yeah, they're just bad. You might as well rip the bandaid off because they're not good. Really? Well, well I mean, again, they won twelve games two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know, you had the missing time and the bad performances by Russell Wilson. And you know, now now everything looks good, and he wants to be here. So it's like, why would you even? do this and I, I'm, I'm just amazed you know particularly with the combine Pete carroll uh john snyder and everything else people are still bringing up the idea of a russell wilson trade they won't let it go it's like please he's staying here i've been saying that now since february of last year yeah february of 2021 <laughs> yeah well i can't help but think that um is your favorite agent is behind a lot oh, absolutely. of that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So. Well, and if he doesn't, listen, he's got two years left on the deal. So if he plays through this year at the end of the season, yeah. going into what would be the lame duck year, get ready. This conversation will be starting all over again. Oh, yeah, but uh, that's 
let's worry about this year, this year, yeah. uh, next year, next year. Because, again, it's like uh, we don't know what the cap's going to be for next year. We now know officially what it's going to be for this year at 20 point. Two hundred and eight point two million. So it's like, uh, you know, it's like you worry about next year, next year. What do you think has the biggest effect going into next year? Would it be a player or two, or do you think it's going to be this coaching change on the defense? On the, are you talking about on the Seahawks? Yeah, or or you know, it could be offensive line. But as far as the biggest change, I, I just felt like that defense was so yeah. bad last year, the last yeah. two years. Now I would have to think the Clint Hurdle thing is right now the biggest one because he wants to be more aggressive. He wants to do a little bit more blitzing. He wants to vary the defense a little bit. And I think that, uh, you know, and certainly he's going to take care of his defensive linemen, you know, the ones that are there and the ones that they may add. So it's like, I think, you know, that's going to be one of the keys. So I think overall, you know, it's, it's uh, Clint Hurdle, I think, was the biggest change. In Clint Hurt. Or Clint Hurt, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're yeah. going baseball, John. Yeah, I know. But it's like Clint, <laughs> Clint Hurt is the big big one right now that I think that uh, you know gives everybody some optimism. Well, it's just funny to me, you know, also on defense, like uh, Jamal Adams. It's the same thing. This team, it's like all of a sudden they got really crappy mm-hmm. because they had a 7-10 yeah. and 10 team and lost three games that Russell was hurt during. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of like the Jamal Adams thing where everybody is all of a sudden, oh, Jamal Adams is worthless. I mean, he, he's, he had a terrible year. And it's just that same kind of overreaction, I feel like. So, yeah, people check in here in South Alaska once <laughs> once a year, make their uh, ridiculous uh, predictions, and then move on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because, again, I mean, you look at that schedule, and sure, in the NFC West, it's tough. 66 and 36 are the three teams they have to play because they have to play them twice. But then you look at the rest, and it's like a you know, 4, 428 schedule. Four, uh, 443 schedule, you know, because of the fifth place or fourth place uh, scheduling. And so it's like, uh, and you know, it's like I got three games against Detroit, the Jets, and the New York Giants. Do you think they're winnable games? Hey, John, Dave and I had a conversation last week about Jadevian Clowney. He's going to be a free agent. Yeah. And we were talking, we were just, you know, the hypothetical, yeah, I wonder if, he, if they would take a look at him. Uh, obviously, understanding he's not coming back anywhere near the level of money they offered him to stay. So uh, they wrote an article for it on seattlesports.com, and, and I was surprised. I retweeted it and saw the responses to it on Twitter, and I was just stunned at all the negative responses to it like he was a bad guy. Like, he was loved by his teammates. Yes. He was loved by the coaching staff in that building, so much so that they offered him a truckload of money to stay. Now, he didn't, and that was a mistake. But the idea of him coming back at a reasonable price, he had nine sacks last year in 14 games. That's more than anybody on the Seahawks roster. Mm-hmm. So what what would you think? I mean, hypothet- I don't know if they've got any interest, but if they could bring them back at eight or nine million, would you do it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if it's going to be ten million, I think I'd do it. Yeah, you know, because again, he's a good player. I mean, sure. Uh, you know, in most years he doesn't get the sacks, but he gets the pressure. And he sometimes, you know, like when he was here that season, he was one of the most double team players in 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 the league. And so it's like, uh, no, if if they have a chance to bring him back at a good number, definitely bring him back. Yeah, he's just a good football player. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at all the different um, little areas where he, whether it's uh, he scored two touchdowns while he was here. Now you don't expect that from no, him. No, but you don't expect double digit sacks from him. You just you just expect him to put pressure and play the run really well. And I feel like he, what would be a reasonable number for him? To, uh, to bring him back? you know, probably ten to twelve. Wow, 
that's a pretty good cash for him. Short-term deal, what, yeah. two-year deal maybe, something like that? Yeah, two-year deal probably. I yeah, think. I mean, nine sacks last year. Uh, even if he comes here and then people are saying, well, he got that because Miles Garrett. Okay, maybe. Maybe yeah, he comes yeah. here and he gives you five or six sacks, but he's got 13 or 14 quarterback hits and he's double-teamed and opening things up for Daryl Taylor or Benson Mayo or Dunlap or whoever is playing on the field with him. I just... I know I was I was just surprised John at the reaction as if he were some sort of cancer in the locker yeah. room or anything. he was anything but. I mean he was loved and they they went out of their way to bring him back and he thought he was going to get more money elsewhere. Yeah, and from the media standpoint, I mean he was great to deal with. I mean, you know, he was one of my go-to guys after each game <clears throat> because, you know, he, he he would give you his honest thoughts and that was that was always good. And so it's like, uh, no, I, I liked everything about Clowney. Yeah, he was a super nice guy, like you said, Bob, loved by his uh, his teammates. But also, don't you think John and Pete do a really good job of not burning bridges? Mm-hmm. You know, by not, you know, they didn't sign him, they didn't give him what he what he wants. But I feel like anybody that has a problem with Pete and John, it, the problem is theirs because they always treat the players really well, even if they don't sign them or they have to cut them. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that's so. If they have a chance to bring him back, bring him back. John, I saw another story about the Panthers taking calls on Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. and that they they would want a first. It, it would require if they were to trade him a first round pick and another piece of com- compensation uh, in order for any deal to move forward. I mean, he's got a lot of money owed to him, and he has missed twenty three games over the last two years. What what kind of interest do you think is truly out there for him, and do you think they are trying to move him? I think it's minimal. And the reason it's minimal is because, again, this is such a good, deep running back draft. Why would you give up you know, uh, a first-round pick or whatever and pay that kind of money to McCaffrey? And you're right, because he's missed so many of the games. It's kind of like you know, a different story in Saquon Barkley, but I think it's going to be hard for Barkley to get any kind of a trade from the New York Giants. Yeah, poor running backs. Yeah, <laughs> they really are devalued. It's it's amazing oh, yeah, 100%. to see. You know, and and this is yeah, this is this John feels like the wrong year to be a running back in the league that's looking for a big fat deal because mm-hmm. of the draft, and to be a team that's looking for a quarterback in the draft because by all accounts nobody nobody's dazzled by anybody in the draft this year, Agreed. quarterback wise. No, I think I, I I agree. I mean, you know, there could be four first round quarterbacks taken this year but nobody's excited Malik Willis right now is the hottest name rising you know because he did well at the senior bowl and he certainly did well at the combine John we appreciate it we'll do it again tomorrow okay sounds good there you go if you missed any of today's cold hard facts brought to you by Coors Light made to chill download the podcast at seattlesports.com did we just see the first of a whole new set of problems for the NFL Tell you what we're talking about next. You're listening to Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and seattlesports.com.